Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston answers some of your most pressing questions. Let's hear what he has to say. Most parents, when they ask questions, <laughs> send them to me and, and write a book, and I have to go through and decipher um, and really ask the question, what are they asking of me? I, I mean, some people write, these things come out to be three or four pages, and and they never ask me a question, and so I have to kind of figure out, what is that question? And then there's other people that tell me, um, this is what my child is going through, but they don't tell me the age. And you know this, you know there's a big difference between age 12 and 13 and 17 and 18, and how you pursue that uh, is a lot different. And now, you know what people are doing, it's amazing to me that we get a lot of questions uh, asked about 9 and 10-year-olds and 11-year-olds. At the same time... Um, we have a lot of questions being asked about 20 to 22-year-olds. And so it's it's important for me to, to understand the age and the the sex and, and maybe the question that's actually being asked. But there was a lady that sent in a question this past week, and it was just nine words long. And I love it because she gives a, a, just, hey, help me out, tell me. And she says this, how do I teach my teen not to lie? And I thought, you know what? I can answer that one really well. That's going to be the first question we take care of. The second question is a, is a, a lady who said uh, her and her husband adopted three kids at one, two, and three years of age, and they did it 16 years ago. And they didn't tell their kids, and so now they're asking, I've got an 18-year-old, which is the youngest one now, uh, should we tell him? Um Another grandmother writes in and says, we're guardians of a 14-year-old grandson, and he doesn't want to do anything, and grandpa doesn't make him, and his father's in jail. Mm -hmm. Another question comes in from somebody asking about, does Heartlight, our residential counseling center where we have horses, ever give horses away? And I want to talk to you about horses a little bit, because I think it speaks to a bigger issue. Somebody else says this, um, my question is, how do I get my son to make better choices with his diet? Now, on this one, you didn't tell me how old your child was. At age 11 or 12, that's far different than somebody who's 17 or 18. Somebody else says, I've, you know, I'm a divorced mom of a 16 and 14-year-old um, girl and boy. And um, the father and I uh, didn't see eye to eye, but they spend every other weekend with them. And and so now I'm remarried, but having a fight with my husband, and so I left, and now I'm wanting to reconcile and come back, and my kids are telling me, don't come back. We don't want you to come back. So what should I do? That's a great question. Somebody else asked a question, a great question. How can I convince my 17-year-old son to go to counseling? Very direct, and a lot of you are stuck in that position. And then another one here says, my high school son has graduated high school. He's met a new group of people. He didn't want to play soccer. He didn't want to go to school now, and he wants to pursue this music. And how do I respond to this new lifestyle? And I've got some words on that. You know, um, over the years, we have lived with over 3,000 kids. And, and I'll tell you that 
there probably isn't a question that we haven't dealt with in in, in some way. And uh, that means that we have had close to 1,300 adopted kids live with us through the years. We've had a lot of kids that are wired differently than mom and dad. Um, and so their pursuit of what they want in life is completely different, which poses a real challenge for parents who are raising their kids in one particular way. And there's other people that just in, you know, just are encountering uh, adolescence at its finest, uh, full of curiosity and lying and deceit and um, manipulation and sense of entitlement, selfishness. And those are typical things of high school and uh, middle school and junior high kids. And so somewhere along the line, you've got to deal with those and deal with them in such a way that you help a child learn how to understand why it's important to have good character because it deepens your relationships with people. And those relationships are really what it's all about. And so that becomes key. Let me answer this first question. How do I teach my son not to lie? The first place that I go with a kid who lies is this. Why does he lie? I mean, why does your child lie to you? And I wrote down a number of, of reasons. It, does it, do they feel a sense of shame that if you knew the truth that they would shame themselves and it would just affirm that they are as bad as they think they are? Uh, is, is it the normal response that they just don't want the consequences? I mean, I used to lie to my dad and mom all the time because I didn't want the consequences of of um, of knowing that they were going to take the car away or uh, ground me and have me sit at home or not listen to music as it was back then. Third thing is this. Uh, why does your child lie? Are they embarrassed? Are they embarrassed that they did something that they know they shouldn't have? Um, the fourth thing is this. You know, does your child feel like if he really tells you the truth that he's going to lose the relationship and you won't love him anymore? And that may be if you have a demand for perfection or if you have too high of expectations. And of course, I, th I think the comment that I would tell people all the time is to make sure that your kid understands there's nothing you can do to make me love you more. And there's nothing you can do, nothing you can do to make me love you less. And you have to separate out the two. Kids don't separate those things out. They believe that what a parent feels about them is tied directly to their behavior. So I let kids know all the time. I want you to know your behavior, it's your choice. You can do what you want. And there's consequences for that. But I still love you anyway. I can love you whether you're making good choices or bad choices. I can love you whether you lie to me or don't lie. I can lie to you whether you steal from me or you give me gifts. It really doesn't matter because I love you, period. And that's it. And I think that's what kids want to hear. And I want a child to come to me when they are messing up and having problems and I want them to know that you can tell me anything and you're not going to lose a relationship. Now, mom, dad, I want you to know this. You may be disappointed and the words they say may hurt. Or you may feel depressed a little bit that your parenting isn't as perfect as you think it is. But your ability to love a child through a hard time when they're creating difficulties makes all the difference in the world. Conflict is a precursor to change. And so when they're lying to you, this may be the opportunity for your relationship to change. You know, sometimes they're just fearful of being wrong, which would be my fifth thing. 
You know, I, I, I remember my mom starting to cry at age 21. I made a comment. My brother said something to me. And I said, you know, I was wrong. I'm wrong on that. And my mom started to cry. And I go, what, what are you crying for? And she goes, I've never heard you say you were wrong. Well, and that's true. It's probably hard for me to say that. No, I think it's hard for men to say um, that they're wrong. Anyway, the other thing, you know, number six I, I wrote down here, um, you know, maybe he's lying because he's doing things to get something that he should be getting anyway, um, like freedom or control. And the reason I'm lying is I don't want to lose my freedom or control because you're not giving me any, and I have to fight for it, and I have to lie. And it just shows that that the relational marathon that they're running to have friends with people, they'll do whatever they have to, even lie to you to fulfill that relationship void that they have in their life. But they will also do that in their pursuit of freedom, in their pursuit of control, in pursuit of their ability to make decisions. Or your child may be this, that they just don't want to disappoint you. And they feel like if they told you the truth that you would feel disappointed. Okay, all that being said, the, the second part of this, after I ask the question, why does he lie? The, the second part of this is, what are you communicating? You know, are, are you communicating any of those things to him? And, and you have to do some reflection here that maybe you're setting your child up and causing them to lie. Maybe you're the one that is uh, sending the message that if you tell me the truth and I don't like it, I'm not going to love you anymore. Or if you tell me the truth, that I have an amazing way to shame them, to put them down, to make them feel embarrassed. Or maybe as a parent, I'm not really giving them that much freedom. Or I'm not giving them control of their life. I'm not allowing them to make decisions. I'm not allowing them to develop responsibility where the byproduct is maturity. Maybe I'm doing some things. And this is where you, you look at the log in your own eye before you look at the speck in your child's eye. And once you kind of figure that out, I think that's where you move to the third thing that I would say. So why does he lie? What are you communicating? And the, and the third thing is approach the topic. Hey, come on, let's go sit down and talk. We're going to talk. And you know I, where I would start in that discussion that you have with your child? I tell them, hey, I want you to know I'm doing this. I feel like that I'm setting the expectations too high. I feel like you feel like I'm not going to love you if you tell me the truth. Um, I feel like you think I am too controlling. I believe that you feel I don't give you enough freedom. And you want you want to know something? You're right. And I want to change those things. I, I want you to know there's nothing you can do to make me love you more. There's nothing you can do to make me love you less. Hey, I want you to know there's nothing that you can do to disappoint me. I, you know, every day, on our worst days, on our worst days that we have, I want you to know it's a better day because you are here in our family. That's a message for a child to hear. And you start a conversation like that, and, you, and it allows you to start asking why you lie you, that's the first thing is, is asking that. I, I just need to know why and help me with that. Because if I'm causing that, then I want to make some changes. But then at the same time, you affirm the relationship that even when you lie to me, I still love you just as much. It doesn't have anything to do with relationship. The third thing here is that, that you know, I, I want to propose a path of truth. Um, 
and I, I, I want to commit to helping you work on it because I know that if you continue lying like this, it's going to damage your relationships because that, that thought becomes a word and that word becomes an action and that action becomes a habit and that habit becomes a part of your character and that character becomes a part of your destiny. And so these little things where you don't think they're that important, they are important and I want to help you with that. Okay, then you get to the, to the last thing here. And I, and I tell you, it's last. Why do you lie? What are you, you communicating, mom and dad? Then you approach the topic, but here's the next thing you do. Now you add a consequence. You know what? Let's do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to affirm you in some way and give you a carrot if you don't lie all this week. But yet if you do lie, there's a consequence. And that has to be age appropriate and you take away whatever you have to to get their attention. A teen will continue in their inappropriate behavior until the pain from their behavior, which is the consequence, is greater than the pleasure they get from it. Remember what I've said before? That all behavior is goal-oriented. And so it, they're doing something for a reason. you got to find out that reason. But just because you find it out and just because you realize you're a part of it and just because, you know, you are approaching them and talking to them doesn't mean there's not a consequence when they continue to do it again. And I think it needs to be a strong consequence. Okay, there you go. There's four steps. Why does he lie? What are you communicating? Don't hesitate to approach the topic and add a consequence. Um, to this lady who asked this nine-word question, God bless you. I, I hope this helps. Uh, somebody else asked another question. And it's one that has to do with adoption. And um, she asked this question. She, we adopted a very young sibling group of one, two, and three about 16 years ago. Uh, CPS said, we can tell them whether they're adopted or not. That's up to us. But when our oldest child uh, turned 10, uh, she started asking questions about her skin color. <laughs> yeah, and she's now 19 and she's doing okay. But the second one, a little bit defiant and age eight and 11, she was sexually aggressive. And, you know, so now she's run off with somebody 10 years older than her and, and um, she's pregnant and won't talk to us. And so I guess the question is this, is that we have a 17 year old who is doing well and is a junior in high school and he lives with us and we have not told him that he's adopted. Um, and so what should we do? And she goes on to say that CPS did not tell us the full truth about the extent of a child's previous family abuse issues, nor did they help us during the raising of the 18 years. Okay, just because CPS lied to you and didn't tell you the full story doesn't give you permission to not give your child the full story. Now, you can't go back to age 12, but my in, in encouragement is that at 11 or 12, that every kid should know that they're adopted. You know, because you never know this. You, you never know where some of the problems that adopted kids go through are because they don't know that they're adopted. So they don't understand it. So they really think they're weird and odd and, and out of place. And the feelings that they have, whether they be skin color or not together, the way they think is different. They don't have the same face or features that you do. You know, I, I think it puts them in an awkward position that they start trying to find their identity when you need to have those discussions early on. And most parents are scared to death about having that discussion. But let me tell you what, I would be more scared about not having discussion and where you're going to end up if you don't tell them. And so to a 17-year-old, I'd go, hey, bud, come here. 
we need to go sit down and talk. I want you to know that um, there's something that we haven't told you. And we didn't tell you because we thought it was the right thing to do. And we should have told you this earlier when you can understand it. And we just haven't because of the way your sisters responded. You were adopted when you were one years old. There's something about just coming out and saying it that makes all the difference in the world, and it's going to change your relationship with that child. Now he's going to start asking questions that he should have asked when he was 12. He's going to start asking those now. He's going to, it's going to shift him from this concrete thinking that, about how he's interpreted his family life early on to now wondering a little bit more into abstract thinking. And he's going to start thinking different. So be prepared to have a long line of discussions. And I'd tell him, hey, you're a junior in high school. We got another 80 weeks before you head off to college or join the Marines or leave home or, you know, go get a job. We've got 80 weeks to meet every week to talk about anything you want to talk about. And here's the concern I have. If you've withheld something from somebody, they may think that you lied to them, even if you haven't admitted it. They know that they haven't been told the truth. And so that may be one of the reasons why they haven't um, reconnected back with you. It's important to tell them early on. Somebody else says this and ask a question. We have a regarding for a 14-year-old grandson. Um, th this kid has no responsibility and grandpa thinks I'm too fussy. He's not doing his work in school. There's no consequences. He has no responsibility. And grandpa just says, leave him alone. You know, he's been diagnosed with ADHD and ODD. I'm about to lose my mind. This young man, the 14-year-old grandson, his father's in jail. And you know what it looks like? It looks like you had a generational problem here. You had a grandpa thinking one way. You've got the his son in, in jail. And now you've got another son that at the ripe and wonderful age of 14 is going to follow that path unless somebody does something different. And it, and it, and it sounds like grandpa will only wake up um, and learn the lesson about needing to train up a child when tragedy happens. And I've seen it. I've seen it over and over and over. And so grandma, you need to be grandma. And if he won't assume responsibility and he won't do anything, ask him to do things. Always invite him, you know. And then when he gets to be a little bit older, it's whether you provide him with a car, a phone, and all those other things, I would tie something to it. And somebody always says to me, well, Mark, you're manipulating. Yes, I am. I am manipulating the situation and the atmosphere so when so a child can learn to do the things that they need to do and what they find is the rest of their life goes well. It's like telling a kid this, if you don't lie, I will give you $10 every week that you don't lie. Am I manipulating? Yes, but what this child's going to learn it's going to learn about honesty. It's going to learn how to have deeper relationships. He's going to learn how to speak the truth in love. And he's going to learn that he's still love regardless of whether he lies or not. But life is better without it. I mean, foolishness, you know, uh, leads to pain. Wisdom leads to pleasure. And there's not one kid out there that doesn't want to live a pleasurable life. And so, Grandma, once you have a little bit of flexibility and things to hold over your grandson's head, 
that's when I would start requiring some things of him. Here's another question. Somebody says, I live in Tyler, Texas, which is not too far from us. And uh, we have a daughter looking to purchase a horse. And I have mentioned that Heartlight has a lot of horses. We do. We have 25 horses. And uh, we've had horses since the uh, probably the first six months that we started the program 33 years ago. And we have those horses because I have always said that if you want to keep a kid out of trouble, give them an animal. And what we have is a, a bunch of kids that come live with us and they love riding horses. And the reason we have so many horses uh, is because I have this belief that if a horse has treated us well, then um, we will treat the horse well when they can't be ridden anymore and they start to get into that age bracket where um, they're just going to, you know, be put out to pasture and we're going to let them live a nice, comfortable life. You've been good to us. We're going to be good to you. They're not in pain and uh, we let them die here on the property. And um, and so uh, that's why we have so many horses. And uh, there's a part of me that I, I would tell you, I would gladly give you those horses but not really. And I say not really because it's hard for me to give up animals that have been loyal to us. And um, but if you but if somebody needs horses, I'm happy to look for you. At the same time, if you have horses and you're out there and they're a little bit older and and um, you want them to have a great home where they're going to be loved on like crazy, uh, we have a wrangler on our staff that takes care of all of them and and utilizes the kids and. And they go out riding all the time. You know, I mean, there's something about riding a horse, especially the kids that we have, that that um, it gets their mind off themselves and it helps them relax and it puts them in control rather than allowing a horse to control them. But they learn some things that that are amazing on horseback. And, and that's I've always loved that. And uh, I used to spend a lot of time breaking horses uh, when we first started Heart Light. And I've just gotten to the age where I, it, it hurts too much. And I get too worn out doing that. And so uh, we'd rather have some slower horses that are easier on us. Another question somebody said is, um, you know, my question is, how do I get my son to make better choices with his diet? And and I don't know how old uh, this child is, but I would say quit buying the bad food. Quit buying processed stuff and start buying other stuff. Child's going to eat something. If the only thing to eat at a home is salad, then that's what they're going to eat. Um, and and start cooking a little bit more healthy. Um, if they are younger, then you can encourage them. If they are older, leave it alone. You know, I, I think at some point a child's got to figure that out on their own. And so if they're extremely overweight and they have poor eating habits, they're going to go off to college and they're going to learn real quick. You know, I may need to change some things in my life. Um, but I always ask. I always ask. I am honest with the kids that live with us. If a young lady comes up to me and her face is all broken out, I'll go, sweetheart, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Your face is broken out. Do you want some help? Because I can connect you up with a doctor and we can get you some help. Same way with weight. Hey, do you struggle with weight? Do you feel like it's a struggle? Yeah. Okay. I can help you. I can help you get to a better place. Your skin... Tell me about it a little bit. You know, your your face, your nails, your whatever it is, whatever it is, because I know how kids are so picky with one another. And even though I don't think they should be, I know that they are. But kids become very concerned about their appearance and I want to help them. So I ask them. So kids know this. I'm going to say something. 
I'm, I'm not going to hold back. And so if it's a weight issue, hey, do you want some help? And if you want some help, I'd be glad to help you. And, and that may be working out with them together. It may be changing a diet. It may be just giving up a few things. What, whatever it is, whatever it is, it's not creating this paranoid group of kids that, that have eating disorders, but it is teaching a child how to be healthy uh, in a world of processed food. Another question, somebody says, I'm a divorced mom of a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old boy. Um, and their father and I have been divorced for three years. I have married somebody else and we had a disagreement. So I moved out and now my own kids don't want me to come back home um, because they tell me that I'm selfish and I don't think of their feelings. <laughs> you know, I think most 14, 16 year old kids probably think uh, parents are selfish and don't think of their feelings because they have a sense of entitlement. My answer to you is this. You do what you want to do. If you want to get back with your husband, get back with your husband. If you don't, then that's your choice. But it, I do think it's interesting that your kids still go to see your ex-husband, but they're living with your current husband and they don't want you to be there. So I would ask that question, what is it about me that may be pushing my kids away? And I, and I don't say that in a negative way. I say it in a very positive way that you have the opportunity to help figure that out. If I'm doing something, I want to know and I want to change that. And, and that could be a number of things. A 14 and 16-year-old, there's a big, big difference in between those two years. And so it may be that you're not treating one like the other. Or these two have this sibling connection because they don't feel like they have it anywhere else in life. And they're going to support one another. So I would take one of them out and go sit down and talk. Then I would take the other one out and talk. I wouldn't talk two-on-one, -on but ask them what they feel, ask them what they want, and ask them what you can do to change how you approach them. And the reason I say this, Mom, is, is not because I think this is your problem. I think that, that you're the only one that can change you, and you can't change them. So you give them the responsibility of telling you what they would like to see, and then work hard on saying, okay. When they say you're selfish, instead of saying, I'm not selfish, I think about you all the time. Don't say that. Just come back and say, okay, I don't want to be a selfish person, and I, and I sure don't want you to think that I don't ever think of you. Now you've gotten somewhere, and you can get over that hill, swallow your pride, humble yourself, and, and say, how do I let them know that I do think about them all the time? How do I let them know that they are on my mind and I want the best for them? Here's another question. How can I convince my 17-year-old son to go to counseling? It's a wonderful question. You know what? Most men don't want to go to counseling because it's an admission that something is wrong. And as I said earlier in this podcast, that, that men don't like to admit they're wrong. It's like going to the doctor. You know, I mean, men have a tough time going to a doctor because they, they don't want to admit that there may be something wrong with them. That's why men die before women all the time. They don't go to the doctor near as much as women do. You know, and, and so what I would do, you're, I mean, you're going against the nature of man by trying to get a son to go to counseling. But it may be that you have to encourage him with a carrot or let him know that it's okay to go and get counsel from somebody to figure out why he may be unhappy or, or sad all the time or depressed or anxious or uh, having a tough time relating to people. 
there's people out there that can help. Be careful who you go to as a counselor. Counselors you know, are all over the map, and you want to find somebody that can really connect with him and give him a sense that it's okay. It's really okay to seek wisdom from somebody else. And so it may be saying to him at 17, hey, if you go to a counselor, I'll pay for your car insurance. I'll give you extra money. I'll, I'll pay for gas for your car. I'll get you that new phone. After you go to six counseling sessions, and if you don't like it, we'll find somebody else. But, but I'll commit as long as you want to do a little bit of counseling. The last question, my son graduated from high school, uh, and he's changed in um, his activity and his personality, and, and he's been intelligent, but, you know, he graduated. He's no, no longer active in soccer, and he met a new group of people. Um, and he doesn't want to go to college now, and he got involved in a gothic, dark side, depressing genre of music, and he no longer believes in God. He's left home to pursue this kind of music. Um, how do I spread this lifestyle? I can't support it. You know, I think it's tough when a child leaves home and leaves some of the things behind that you don't want them to leave behind. But what you sure want to, them to take with them is the knowledge uh, and the understanding that they are loved regardless of their actions. And what you may have is a temporary um, switch of scenery that you see your child going through. Um, and he may come back around. But I, you, you have to ask the question, um, why is he attracted to this group? What is it that he's getting out of this group that he hasn't gotten out of other groups? And and what I see a lot of is that most of this is just temporary. You know, the the these are the sad parts where kids come back and go, well, I shouldn't have gotten that tattoo and I shouldn't have said this and I shouldn't have done that. I know a man that that is a dear friend of mine that had a child that was with us years ago and his son got involved in playing bass with a with a band and uh, he didn't particularly like it or want him to do that, felt they weren't going to make any money, anything else. But dad went to his concerts. He bought the group a van for them to travel in. And he was intent, um, very intentional on keeping the relationship. And you know what happened? The kid eventually got tired of the lifestyle of playing in a band because not everybody makes it to rock star status. And they now have a wonderful, wonderful relationship. And I think if dad would have fought it, um, trying to fight something that you can't control when a child is of age, and um, I think they would have been in a, 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 t a lot tougher spot uh, than they went through. But dad was committed to continue to love his son even in the darkest of times. And so even though your son is involved in some of this stuff, he may come out of it and be okay. And he'll come out of it because he knows he has a relationship with a mom or dad that is going to care for him regardless of his choices. At some point, he's got to figure that out. Hey, folks, it's been great answering these questions today. We'll uh, keep answering more and more. Send them in. Make sure you tell me the age of your child and and uh, give me a specific question. That's always 
helpful, uh, like that nine-word question that a lady asked about her son lying. I look forward to talking with you soon. Uh, For some of you, if you're going through a crisis and having a tough time, why don't you come to a Family in Crisis conference that we have here at Heartlight, and you can find out about that at www.familycrisisretreat.com. That's familycrisisretreat.com. Thanks so much. Look forward to talking with you soon. Take care. God bless. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us back here on Monday for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.